You can't beat the sound of a contented cat. That's why veterinary surgeon and natural pet food pioneer John Burns developed Burns Pet Nutrition. Because he knows the positive impact a natural diet has on our beloved pets. And our premium cat food is designed to satisfy even the most finicky eaters. For natural, no nasty, wholesome recipes, choose Burns Pet Nutrition. Available from veterinary clinics and all good pet shops across Ireland. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's something unique about here. About Northern Ireland. Something happens here and nowhere else in Europe. Maybe even nowhere else in the world. It's the fact that people are brutally beaten and sometimes shot in paramilitary-style attacks. It's become a commonplace side effect of the violence here. Doctors at Belfast Royal Victoria Hospital have noticed not only an increase in the frequency of such attacks, but also in their severity. Thousands of them have been carried out since the Good Friday Agreement. Often, people are attacked by appointment. They turn up to be shot. Sometimes children are even accompanied by their parents, drugged up to dull the pain. How could you possibly bring your own child up knowing that they're going to be shot? I had it. I had no I could have moved out of I could have moved out. I had to do it. I moved nowhere. I said it was a family decision and it was probably the hardest decisions me and my wife as parents made. Was it the right decision? No. They are attacks on human rights on a massive scale. This is a law of the jungle. You know, there's no respect for uh, human rights. There's no due process. Why do they happen? Who are the victims? And above all, why does society tolerate it? I do believe that there are people in the community who support them, and I think that's why they've been operating for so long. But not all of the community are supporting them. Youth worker Stephen Hughes is based in Divis in West Belfast, and he's active in the pressure group Stop Attacks, which works to end these attacks forever. Stephen, what motivated you to get involved in this in this work? Well, I'm a youth worker. Um, I work with young people and four young people in Lower Falls. We had um, four young people, no, sorry, five young people now shot who belonged to the, to the project. Um, one was shot on his 16th birthday, disabled kid. Another one shot twice and two shot four times. The last one there, a few weeks back, he was shot three times. And uh, all of these young people that have that have all been victims of these attacks have all been very vulnerable. Yeah, their behaviours haven't always been right or correct for society, but they didn't deserve that. And, and for me, 
it's not an instant thing. It, 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 once these attacks happen, it impacts their whole life. And for me, as a youth worker and a human rights advocate, and uh, standing back and watching this happen to children and young people is, is awful. And it's something that, that I can't stand by and watch and accept as society does. In the area you work in, in the Lower Falls, who is carrying out these attacks? Well, there's various paramilitary groups who are operating these things and, and criminal groups that are operating as well. Do you know, they're, um, you, you never know. They don't tell you. We done this or they done this or whatever. Um, you, you, just, you just hear that it's been another attack. Um, and we know that it's a, a policing response to local criminal, antisocial, drugs-related behaviour, but it's it's an illegal act. It's a human rights abuse. It's a a traumatic, a toxic trauma that is impinged on children and young people, um, who are often very broken kids already. Do you know? And it's uh, and it's wrong. And we all have to stand up as a society and say it's wrong. You mentioned human rights. Yeah. Does it ever, when you hear people, certain people, talking about uh, a New Ireland and the various r- rights that may or not be involved, you know, with the, the, the socialist republic as a supposedly better society, how does it make you feel if you know that people connected to those people are literally going out and shooting children? There's been 86 children shot from the Belfast Agreement in 1998. 86 children. There's been hundreds, maybe thousands, beaten by these organisations. And at the same time, they claim to be espousing the rights of people um, to have their United Ireland or stay within the Union, whatever their politic may be. But who's standing up for the rights of the children here? Who's the voice? Who Who's going to... Who's going to put an end to these human rights? What are human rights abuses? Yet they all, and our, all I see, all of our politicians standing beside these people, getting photographs taken of these people, running to these people for permission and consultation, enabling and empowering them while they abuse our children. In Rotherham and Rochdale and other places throughout the United Kingdom and Ireland, we have seen huge, big human rights abuses and, and child abuse tackled through various investigations and and nothing. We have nothing here. It's just accepted. We call it um, we call it the, the societal shrug. A colleague of mine explains it as, as it doesn't happen on my door. It doesn't affect my children. It doesn't affect my community. And, 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 man, and the majority of areas it doesn't. But it does affect us all. Because you're all paying for it. You've described, I suppose, the situation in, in middle-class communities. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, and it doesn't happen. No. And in most even rural uh, parts of the North, this, does, this doesn't happen, or at least hasn't no. happened in a very, very long time. Mm. Why does it happen then in working-class communities? It, it, work, it, it, it operates in communities that are controlled by paramilitary organisations. The, the, the majority of, of attacks are now taking place in, in, in areas such as Carrick, Antrim, Larne, um, parts of Derry and parts of Belfast. Um, and they tend to be places where 
and paramilitaries are empowered, are enabled. And this is their response to policing issues. And it's it's not the right response. If anything, um, it's it makes things worse. It doesn't make things any better. What we're doing is placing a burden on the health service that's costing hundreds and hundreds of millions over the lifetime of, of these these victims. But it it does nothing and has never been proven to have any success in policing communities. If anything, it makes things worse. As someone said to me recently, if if this worked, then parts of Belfast would be crime-free and they're not. Um, and, and there's a lot coming out of what you said there. I, I mean, and, and I honestly, I, I, you know, I'm struggling to pick the next question. Sometimes I have, you know, attempted to follow up a, a so-called punishment attack or whatever. And I've spoken to people who work in the community and I've, in West Belfast, for example, and I've, I've seen the shrug. Is there, does there remain a degree of however misplaced sympathy for the people who carry out these brutal attacks? There's a, if you read, if you read the social media threads after these things happen, um, they're just, they disgust me. They, they turn my insides when you see, and I've seen friends and family members as well as general public saying, ah, they, they didn't get it for nothing. They, they must have deserved this. And then you, you read the accusations that in a lot of in a lot of situations, um, that this is the worst of our attitude as a society when we accept the abuse of our children and young people, and we think it's okay. What does it say about us as a society? What does it say about you as a human being that you have no understanding or empathy? Do you know, Michael McKibben was shot in a paramilitary-style attack after a conversational fallout. And he bled to death in the arms of his wife while his three children watched over a conversation. How hard do we as a society shrug our shoulders and go, he didn't get it for nothing? How do we as a society accept this as any form of a response by our communities? See, it's, it's, it's not... And, and and we need to check ourselves, and that's what that's what the stop attacks forum is about. It's it's not just about trying to get the paramilitaries to stop these attacks. It's also about changing attitudes within our communities that this is normal and this is okay. People listen to this podcast beyond Belfast, in throughout, I suppose, all of the countries in the world which speak English. So we're maybe discussing something and we accept that everyone knows what we're talking about. Sometimes when people, especially in England or the Republic, are, are, are exposed to the realities about the, the, these attacks, they're shocked. Just can I ask you to clarify what's involved here? Because there are elements to these attacks which would utterly shock people throughout the world. A paramilitary style attack is when you're either dragged off the street and taken in and beaten or shot through the the knees, the thighs, the calves, the ankles, the hands sometimes um, as a response to your um, antisocial or criminal lifestyle. And sometimes young people are given text messages to say you'd be at a certain place at a certain time. Sometimes they ask for their parents to bring them along 
do you know, to receive a beating or a shooting. And we have to remember, um, two two thirds of all paramilitary style attacks are are beatings, and are more difficult to identify than the shootings. Shootings tend to happen more in nationalist and republican communities and are easily identified. But the beatings tend to happen mainly in, in the unionist and, and, and loyalist community um, and are less easily identifiable and are often hidden in different ways. They're hidden as, as aggravated burglaries or assaults. But what they are, regardless, is either arranged or instant responses by members of paramilitary organisations to beat, attack, and they beat them with cudgels, iron bars, sticks with nails in, um, baseball bats, or they shoot them. And I, I have the photographs on my phone of our most recent victim, and they are horrific. But the beatings are actually worse than the shootings sometimes because of the multiple bone fractures. And, and, and I've, we've spoke to surgeons in the hospitals, and, and they'll tell you that the beatings can often be much worse physically. But both of them, both of these, whether they be beatings or shootings, mentally and emotionally destroy people, not just at that time, but for the rest of their lives. I think that's a point I'd like to return to. But I think I, I'd just like you to clarify a point because I know people listening will be saying, hold on, did Stephen just indicate there's a situation where people are attacked by appointment and even that sometimes people's parents accompany them to the site of this attack. A lot of people may find that simply incomprehensible, but why does that happen? How can that happen? It, it happens out of fear because um, they know that they have to live in that community. And, and often, if they don't turn out for the appointment, the next time that they do get them, the, the beating or the shooting will be much worse. Do you know? And it, it'll be crueler. So there, there's a fear and that that's already well known within communities. So the, the, the young people tend to um, know that they have to be there and they know that they have to go. And sometimes, sometimes their family members are complaining. Imagine, imagine the crisis that your life must be in to take your child for a beating or a shooting. Imagine what that family must be going through. And it's not just the young person who's a direct victim, it's the siblings. It's the mother or father. It's the extended family. It's the peer group. And it's the community. The fear, the anguish, the anxiety, the mental health implications of all of this are absolutely huge. And and, and again, we just shrug. It's not in my community. It doesn't annoy me, do you know? I suppose that people just don't stop to think because I'm sure that if I was attacked by multiple people with a baseball bat uh, and or, or a nail-studded bat or whatever, that this would be the defining part of my life, literally. You would ne- I can't see how you would ever get over it. And yet, when you're looking at those social media comments, it's almost as if, you know, this, this is summary justice and two weeks later, you know, somehow this young man is straightened out and he's walking about again and he maybe, you know, that, that this is, that, a, that, that's, that I can't. That, that's not how toxic trauma works. And already, in the majority of cases, these young people are already broken. Do you know, they're already behaving in the way they're behaving for a reason, right? So that they normally have toxic traumas that have already made them, f- their behavior functional. 
in, in this case. But if you take that huge, big toxic trauma of being laying, laying face down on the ground for someone to, to shoot you in the knees and ankles, or to, a group of men to beat you with hammers and cudgels and, and, and sticks with nails and whatever, nobody in their right mind would expect that to stop the behaviour. What that does is actually mess with the young person's emotions, their decision-making, their understanding of risk, their aspiration to do better in life. Do you know, everything is impacted by this. And emotionally, they, they normally end up much worse for a much longer period of time. And I had a kid, had a young man who was a victim recently, and he says to me, I says, how are you feeling? And he came down to see me. He says, how are you doing? He says, I'm all, I'm all right physically. He's out of his wheelchair. He's on sticks at the moment. He says, but it's my head. I can't sleep. I'll keep seeing it. I keep hearing it. I can still smell the gunpowder. He says, and they put a gun to my mum's head. And do you know, it's it's that turmoil, it's that hurt and pain that he, he, he will probably never, ever recover from. Do you know, and I know people that were shot in the 70s and 80s, and they still struggle with that issue today. And, and it, it does affect their decision making it does affect um, how they're going to live their lifestyle going forward and how can we tell them that they're valuable members of society to have a positive contribution to make whenever society has treated them so badly and speaking I suppose about wider society I mean let's talk about policing and when I'm talking about policing I mean the, the, the PSNI and I think there's two aspects to that one I suppose, could the PSNI do more in working class areas in terms of, you know, antisocial behaviour and it's, crime, as, as in the house breaking and interfering with people's cars? Like, I mean, clearly, if, if you have your house broken into, I mean, that's a violation of your, of your sanctity, of your home, and at least people... At least people in an emotionally in an emotional state feeling viable. And then... They, Karen, they, Karen, Karen, be very careful what you're saying, because... This is the assumption mm. that young people are involved in this. Yeah, but I'll, and, not, and that feeds into the rhetoric of they deserve it. Because in the majority of cases, these are very broken individuals. They they are not in the lifestyle that they're living. Um, they're, they're not breaking into houses. They're victims of child abuse. Mm-hmm. Oh. And I mean, I I I'm not accusing anybody or any class or any or any group of people. But what but I'm you're I'm, assuming you've you you've no, you don't only assumed you're, you're you're articulating the question based on these people being criminals or are involved in, and th- that feeds into the mentality that they deserve it. Okay, it well, fe- I- it feeds into the mentality that um, this is punishment. This is not punishment. This is a human rights violation. This is a, a physical gangland attack on a child or young person. This is child abuse. And, and, and I, and I, you know, if, if that's, if that's how my question is interpreted, I apologize. You know, that's not, that wasn't my intent. My intent was to ask, you know, could the PS and I do more to tackle antisocial behavior in certain areas? And would that, would that be a, would that be a help? That's not to justify anything. The, the, the th- yeah. The, the thing with, the thing with the PS and I, the PS and I are, um, in a, in a very difficult situation here because all too often the young people know who actually has, has attacked them, but they will never tell because they know that 
the, the consequences are much worse. Mm. And that's that's the difficult. But the PSNI only, only I think that the charge rate is less than 3% for, for paramilitary style attacks. And, and all too often they focus on the shootings because they're e- more easily identifiable. The, the other problem with the PSNI's understanding and, and recording of uh, paramilitary style attacks is that all too often the beatings go down as something different. They go down as assaults, they go down as gangland feuds, they go down as sectarian beatings, they go down as um, the, the latest one is aggravated burglaries. And um, so um, the, the data around this is often very skewed. Um, but we do know... Um, that the numbers have have been going down for the last few years, but recently we've seen the numbers increasing again over the last six months. Now, uh, within the Stop Attacks Forum, we've we've a number of um, ideas why these numbers are going back up again, and reducing police numbers, reducing neighbourhood teams, um, it is going to is going to provide a vacuum whereby local communities are not being serviced with what is good community policing because there's so few officers. I, I talk now directly to the Secretary of State and I tell him that this constant cuts to, to policing, this constant cuts to community services, these these gaps, these voids are going to be filled by paramilitary organisations who are going to become the defenders of communities, who are going to police their own communities, who are going to deal with the so, anti-social behaviour and the crime. Don't, don't empower them. Don't enable them. Provide good quality, well-resourced services that can stop these communities from having to run the paramilitary organisations to deal with their, their local policing issues. And obviously, if, if, if a young person told the police who they believed was involved, I mean, the, the, the consequences would be horrific. 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 Yeah, well, somebody gets arrested, you go and have a local leader of whatever organisation arrested because you have given their names and you and your family are going to suffer for that. So it's, it's unthinkable. Yep. You obviously, um, I mean, obviously a civilised society has policemen, they have a public prosecution service, they have courts and they have ways of determining, or, or in theory at least, obviously it's not perfect, of, of determining people's guilt or innocence and even if they find people guilty of of dealing with that in a proportional sense. So, I mean, that's, you know, you know, you've said, you know, there's a lack of policing. Obviously, we do have a problem. We have a residual problem where some people, both in loyalism and in republicanism, do not accept the PSNI for different reasons, maybe the same reasons. I mean, that's, is that still a major problem, do you think, in, in West Belfast, where you work? No, no, I can see a definite change um, in, in how policing is delivered. I see a difference in how... The um, community's contribution to policing. I see community safety working well. I see community restorative justice organisations working well. Um, I don't. I think cha- things have changed for the better. Um, I think the difficulty that that the Stop Attacks Forum has had. We we've had to change or affect some change in terminology um, with with the police and with health and safeguarding. Um, in particular with social services. Um, we've been trying to, to affect change in systems, in language, in interpretation. Um, and and the, the police have been very responsive to that. And I've, I've taken on a lot of the recommendations that, that we, have, um, we, we have given them. 
We continue to challenge some of their processes, particularly around threat management processes. And, uh, and we know that there's a, a children and young people strategy being launched. So they are listening. Some are listening. I think Department of Health, um, particularly around safeguarding um, these children and young people, their siblings, um, their friends and their family members, um, is particularly interesting. Um, and I think eventually when, and we will have our Rotherham or our Rochdale tape investigation in this because this is mass child abuse. And eventually there will be some sort of a huge big investigation in this. And some organisations have failed miserably to take on their responsibilities, their legal responsibilities, to protect children and young people from these from these gangs and, and to be able to care for them after it happens. And I think it will shame some people and some organisations for their lack of, of understanding and their lack of willingness to tackle this, this nettle. In terms of the forum, just to be clear, I mean, what do you actually do to try and we'll stamp this out entirely? Of course, I was going to say reduce this, but this is not a problem to no, be we, reduced. We, this we, is to be stamped out. We want it stopped. And, you know, what do you do and what do you want? Uh, we want an end to, the, to, to all paramilitary state attacks, the beatings, the shootings, the threats, the, the, the abuse that people receive in the street, whatever it may be, we want it to stop. Um, but what can Get this, off the backs of, of our communities. What can be done, but? Well, I, I think what has to happen is the, we, we, we can only affect change in, in government organisations and then with organisations who operate with young people and adults who are victims of paramilitary attacks. But I think the most important thing that we want is attitudinal change. We need to tackle the societal shrug. We need more people to stand up Join our Twitter campaign, join our Insta and our on our Facebook and whatever else and, and stand up and say, this is not acceptable. We don't want this anymore. Don't do it in our name. End these and stop these attacks now. Stephen, is there anything we should have talked about that we didn't or a thing we should have mentioned, do you think? There is another issue around safeguarding and it's the, the idea that people and organisations sometimes know these attacks are about to take place. What is the response to a young person who's going to be a victim? What is social services doing? What is the safeguarding board doing? What is the police? What is their roles? How do we best coordinate all those? How do we improve communication around these attacks um, and responses? Responses need to be swift. They need to be reactionary. They need to be on the ground. And they need to keep people safe. That, I think that's something that we need to get better at uh, as a society. Stephen Hughes, thank you very much. Pleasure, Kieran. This episode of The Bell Tale was produced by myself, Kieran Dunbar, sound designed by Graham Davidson. Clips from AP, RTE, UTV, BBC, and Sky. You can't beat the sound of a contented cat. That's why veterinary surgeon and natural pet food pioneer John Burns developed Burns Pet Nutrition. Because he knows the positive impact a natural diet has on our beloved pets. And our premium cat food is designed to satisfy even the most finicky eaters. For natural, no nasty, wholesome recipes, choose Burns Pet Nutrition. Available from veterinary clinics and all good pet shops across Ireland.